Hello. Ah, and welcome to Ben's Bedtime Stories. Now we are a little bit drunk because uh-huh. normally we do this on, on a Sunday. Sunday when I can only be moderately inebriated. Today's Sunday. Day. And I haven't got football tomorrow. No. And Ergo. Um, I also probably shouldn't drink three nights in a row, so let's just put a pin in that just two nights this week. Um, okay, I'm going to need you to grab your phone for a sec. Look. Because at some point I'm going to have to ask you to Google this name and look up this picture because you might know this. Okay. So just Have it, it on standby. Are you ready for your bedtime story? Born. Okay. Let's go. So, we are. Last time... Uh, it was a little bit of an old story. We're going right forward now to 2008. It's a fairly a fairly new one, but it was massive when it broke. Um, Orlando, Florida. Uh, there's a 911 call, and this woman says, I need somebody arrested um, for stealing a car. It's my daughter. She's 22. And this person who rang is um, a woman called Cindy Anthony. Is that one should be good? No, no, no. I can already, if you are into true crime, you know this, and this is going to infuriate you. And I will let you know, um, Karen and Georgia don't even do an episode on this because it infuriates them so much they've not actually covered it. Although, last podcast on the left did a fantastic one about it. Um, So... They will cover literally anything. They will. If you want to listen to a better podcast than this, the last podcast on the left is the one to look for. Um, so yeah, July 15th, 2008, this mum calls about saying her daughter's next to a car. This is not the first time there's been a 911 call about her daughter. There's been some previous problems going on at home with her and her daughter. Um, and they're trying to do the whole tough love thing. Like, look, we've had enough now. Sick of trying to clear up after you. You need to be told. Um, so the couple are Cindy, who's a nurse, and George, who is a, I think he's like a retired cop. Um, and they live with their daughter called Casey and their granddaughter, two-year-old Kaylee. You remember this one, Casey Anthony? Mm, now the I want name you to, does ring a bell. Yeah, I want you to Google Casey Anthony. Okay. And look at her face. You will recognise it. Um, I don't know if you'll know this, but if you, if you look at her face... You'll either recognise it straight away or not. So Casey with a C. Anthony. She's okay. So Cindy says, um, not only has her car been stolen, but her granddaughter is missing. You found it. She's got like long brown hair. Kaylee Anthony. Right. So just go on images. That's fine. There should be a picture of her in a blue, in a blue, pass it here, in yeah. a blue sweater, swipe down, that, that one. one, no, go back, that one, you recognise that picture, you ever seen that before? Yeah. With her smiling in court? Yeah. You think okay. you heard of this? Okay, yeah. so, um, so they can hear on the phone, like, Cindy and Casey are shouting at each other and having an argument, and she's saying it's been a month since her granddaughter Kaylee was seen, her daughter's just said now that yeah okay my daughter's been missing for a month which is weird because she did live with they did live with her parents so go back a little bit um casey 
fell pregnant at 19. Her family were very supportive. Um, she didn't say who the father was, but the family didn't mind about that. It wasn't important. They just wanted to support their daughter. So, all Lovely. good. Yeah, really good. And August 9th, 2005, Kaylee Anthony was born. So, um, Casey's story for this, and I'm going to try and tell this as unbiased as possible, and I will let you input what you think. Oh, is it an unsolved one? No, it's solved. Right, okay. Um, Casey is saying that she dropped Kaylee at the babysitter a month ago on her way to work, um, and the babysitter is refusing to give her back. She's been kidnapped. And I thought it was weird because she just never came home. (laughs) Um, And the nanny's disappeared. She's called plenty of times on this number and she cannot get hold of the nanny. The number's out of service. She's been to familiar places where she normally used to take her daughter, like the park, the shopping mall. And then after when she just exhausted all of her options of where to look, she just went back to her boyfriend's house because she didn't know where else to search. She didn't call the police because she said she was really scared that the babysitter would have hurt her daughter. It was just easier to let the nanny keep her daughter. Oh, yeah, that's a thoroughly convincing story. I believe you, Casey. Okay, so the nanny's name was... Okay, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Zaneda Gonzalez. Nicknamed Zanny the Nanny. <laughs> um, she's Puerto Rican in her 20s, and she's been their nanny for a while. She knows Kaylee. She's looked after her well in the past. And the police say to Casey, okay, right, we need to go to this nanny's apartment. We need to find where your daughter is. Let's try and get her back. And nobody will come to the door. And when they look through the window, it's vacant inside. There's nobody in the apartment. So. This is after a month. This is after a month. She's just gone missing. The nanny's kidnapped her. And literally overnight, this story becomes national, sensational. Everyone's like, where the hell has this, this kid gone? Breaks the news. Um, so they speak to the apartment complex manager and he says, no, that apartment's been vacant for months and there's never been anybody under the name of Zanny, Zanny Gonzalez there. No such person's ever lived there. Um, so Casey said that her job was, because it's in Orlando, Florida, she worked at Universal Studios as an event planner. Um, Anybody can get a job there, by the way. Really? Yeah. Like, in the, do you not remember in the NoFX book? Like, they were, like, fucking up to their eyeballs on heroin working at, the, at that Really? Studio. Yeah. Oh, my God. How do I not remember that? Yeah, well, read oh, it again. That's I mean, a, great it's a great book. Read. I would read it again. It's amazing. If anybody's listened to this, get the Hepatitis Bathtub, bathtub Story. Other it, Stories. That's it, yeah. Hepatitis uh, Bathtub it's, it's Story. It's the, it's the life... Oh, the life and stories of, of a band called NoFX, who you probably have not heard of. And if you haven't, you don't need to. It's yeah, you a don't need to. It's great such read. a good read anyway. So and good. the first line of that book is, the first time I drank somebody else's piss was. <laughs> and it was like off the edge of a balcony in some block of flats, were In New it? York, yes. Yeah. And it's a it, fantastic it just, read. It, it just goes from there. And it doesn't sound like a fantastic read when you phrase it like that. But for a true crime lover, there's quite a lot of good stuff in there, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a murder. There's a there's lot a rape. Of rapes, there's yeah. There's yeah. There's all sorts of stuff. There's all like, sorts. Read that book. Man... There's a lot of lighthearted stuff. There's a lot of punk rock music. There's a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of other shit that's really not good. Um, and but... a man shot out his own heroin and used his mum's pasta strainer to go through his own shit to get mm-hmm. his heroin back. And my favourite story of that is where they kidnap uh, Billy Joe from Green Day. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even know they did it. So, book recommendation book. corner. Read the book. Hepatitis bath, tub, and other stories. We could be like, you know, like um, Oprah 
Mm. You know how, yeah. like, she does her, like, a book club. That, like, this is... This is our book club. Ben's but... Bedtime Stories. We'll put the picture on the group. Okay. So. BBS BCE. What does that mean? Ben's Bedtime Stories. Oh, Ben's Bedtime okay. Stories book club. Oh, I like it. We should get badges. Right. So, <laughs> she, yeah, she's an event planner at Universal Studios. And she says, look, I told... The only people I told about this was my two co-workers. And I told them about the kidnapping a month ago because I had no one else to turn to. That, that's what I told. So the police say, right, let's go to Universal Studios and speak to these two people, see what else they can find. Um, and they're trying to establish a timeline of when everything happened. They go to the supervisor there and they say, no, Casey's not worked here. Um, so they decide to try and set up a trap. They pick Casey up, they take her to Universal Studios. They watch her. She goes up to the guard at the employee's entrance. She's like, hi, let me in. Um, they're like, no, we haven't got any record of you here. You can't come in here because you don't work here. Um, and eventually when they realise it's because of a missing child, they're like, oh, just, okay, just come in, like, whatever, fine, we can see you've got police with you. And she's, like, walking down the corridor and she's waving to people and saying hi. And as if she knows them. And she finally gets to a dead end at this corridor. She's just following her nose. And when she gets to the dead end, she turns around and she's like, I don't really work here. And the police are like, yeah, we know. We know, we know. Um, so she's then taken in to be interviewed by the police and they're like why did you mislead us and she said I was really scared I saw my mum's reaction right off um, right off the bat and they say quote wait you're more afraid of your mum's reaction than if you are ever going to see your daughter again and she said quote no I'm absolutely petrified I know my mum will never forgive me I'm never going to forgive myself there's that chance I may never see Kaylee again and I don't want to think about that. Um, yeah, so. However, the police are saying that there's no sense of urgency or concern with her and her voice and normally parents that have a missing child are frantic. frantic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they know that Casey and Cindy's relationship is really volatile and they even said to her, look, is, a case, is, it, is this a case where you just don't want Cindy around your child? If you're hiding her somewhere, just tell us and then we can get off your back. And she says, no, I left her with the nanny. The nanny's taken her. So she is eventually, they've got no other route to go down. So they think we've got to get us to talk. So they're going to really go down hard on her and they arrest her for child neglect. And they're hoping she's going to talk at this point. And they monitor all her phone calls and she speaks to her mum and dad. And you can see the interviews because... It's all been recorded of when she's speaking to her parents on the phone and she's like, look, can you just give me my boyfriend's number? I need to call him. And Can you give me my boyfriend's number? Yes. Because I guess she's not got any... Anything oh, with her. She probably doesn't know it. It's like no. 2008. Nobody yeah. knows people's numbers at that point. No. Her boyfriend's name is Tony Lazaro and they go to his apartment and he lives there with his roommate, Clint. Which all I can think of is... Oi, you! Where's my Clint? <laughs> Watch dinner, ladies. Um, yeah, another recommendation <laughs> from Ben's Bedtime Stories. Absolutely. Do you, do you know what you get with high blood pressure and boil and uh, and water retention? Boiling water. So yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they yeah they speak to Tony and Clint and they say that in about April two thousand and eight she started dating Tony and it was only three weeks into the relationship that she would she then started bringing Kaylee over. And Clint remembers that she was an incredibly clever two-year-old. She could count to ten in not only English but Spanish at, t at two years old. Amazing. Um, I can't do that now. No. 
and Casey seemed like a really caring mother and um, and noticed that they had a good relationship and then it was about the middle of June when just Casey started coming over. They didn't see Kaylee anymore. And whenever they question like, oh, you know, how's your daughter, where is she? She'd say she's with the nanny or with her parents. Like she was always just somewhere else. Yeah, not with them. So um, they they checked back on the the case files for 911 calls and they realized before the police came out on July the 15th, there was actually three 911 calls from Cindy. And one of them was and quote she says on the 911 call and it's it, oh, it's so grim to hear it she goes I found my daughter's car today and it smells like there's a dead body in the damn car um, she's ditched the car and it was impounded so um, this, is Cindy. this is what the mum said yeah she's like it smells like a dead body is in the damn car so the, the car is for any of our car fans out there is a 1998 Pontiac Sunfire um yeah, so the they they get the the parents picks up the car from the impound, and this is I think what a lot of their arguments were about was the fact that she um, it was a family car, but she would use it, so she'd obviously ditch this car somewhere, and it got impounded. So the parents had to go and pick it up, which I'm assuming you have to pay to get it back, wouldn't you? Yes, pay to get a car back from the impound. Yeah. Yeah. So the parents are pretty pissed off at her because she's just being really irresponsible. Um, and the forensics go to the garage and they notice a smell. Um, they get the cadaver dogs in who are called Garrus and Bones, which I thought was a really funny name for a cadaver dog. It's like a pirate name. Garrus and Bones. Garrus and Bones, <laughs> yeah. And... Sharky and Bones. <laughs> um, and... Garrus stops and lays down at the trunk of the car and that is his alert to say cadaver smell. So, they open the trunk of the car and I've written this all down like an American lingo because I was watching documentaries about this from an American perspective. The boot of the car. They look, the trunk. And it looks like it's been vacuumed thoroughly but there is a very badly stained area and they say it's about the same size as a child's body. Um, so they take a snippet of the carpet and they also find some human hairs in the boot of the car. So they take them for forensic testing. Um, the police question the parents about the car and they say that they, um, yeah, the car had been abandoned, it had been towed, they had to recover it. And Cindy says, I found this bag of rubbish in the um, boot of the car. It was like a bag full of mouldy old pizza. There was even maggots in it. Um, that must have been why it smelled bad. Or like, I took the rubbish away. So the parents are visiting her in jail at this point and they're talking to her and you can see on the camera like when they when they talk to her and they're like, her dad goes like, you are right, honey, how are you? And she's like, I look like hell. Yeah, because that's she can say. Yeah. And Cindy says... Um, someone said Kaylee is dead and her response was surprise surprise literally in that time so yeah Um, they actually track down Zenaida Gonzalez she is not in her 20s she's middle aged and she said she doesn't have a clue who these people are and she's never babysat at all for them ever Um, so the kidnapping is not true which is when the police think 
Casey has. Though if you were a kidnapper, you would say that. I mean, you <laughs> would. Yeah, you're not just going to be like... I mean... Hey, I'm a Mexican nanny, but I, <laughs> I've got this white kid here, but I've, yeah. never, I've never heard of these people. Well, I mean, there are some, uh, you know, serial killers who have just come out and be like, yeah, I did that. I mean, Albert Fish said at the table, I, you know, oh, them damn pins, I've oh, put more on me. He was very open, so, you know, no. <laughs> what your thoughts? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> this is when Casey hires her defence lawyer, a guy called Jose, uh, Jose, Jose Bias. Jose. Jose. Um, Jose Bias. And she was told in jail, this is the guy you want to go to when you're in trouble. This guy's going to sort you out. And the grandparents, not far off, but that's later down the line. Um, the grandparents are now campaigning to try and find Kaylee. The, there's a charity that gets involved and they end up with 4,200 people who come out and search the swamp and the woodland areas surrounding uh, the area to try and see if they can find any clues. Um, and when this all hit the news, she was literally known as the most hated mother in America. Um, she was released in August that year on bond with house arrest on half a million i think it might have been her parents who paid that and you can literally see in some of these videos the public are mad to the point where they are banging on the anthony's front door shouting baby killer the dad apparently had to physically fight people off the lawn like he was just going full-on like get off because everyone's going mad because they think she's killed her I daughter i can't stand the whole mob justice thing though like as much as it's disgusting to be a baby killer, especially mm-hmm. your own. Leave it for the courts to deal with. Do you know what I mean? Or leave it for the people in prison to deal with. I don't mind criminal justice. You know, like fucking like honour amongst thieves mm. sort of thing. You know, like when a fucking wow. murderer or a pedo gets stabbed in prison by a guy who's going to oh, do Jeffrey fucking Dahmer. 25 years anyway. Yeah. Like, I've got absolutely no problem with that. But people go into people's houses and mm. like, oh, you're a fucking murderer, you're a nonce, you're a pedo, this, that, the other is genuinely the lowest form of intelligence you can well, possibly have. Because you put your own freedom, your own liberty, and your own life at risk to 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 do what? To achieve what? Nothing. Well, look at Apart how many... make yourself many, feel better about your moral outrage. Look at how many things, especially that uh, the Greenwood-Tulsa massacre that we did about when it was mob justice, and it, it... I mean, that was based on racism, but the guy didn't do anything wrong, and look at the absolute catastrophic effect that that had yeah exactly and that's not the only case of that that's been well, not exactly my point i was making no but still. you know what i mean like they can't you shouldn't take it into your own hands but reserve your judgment so uh yeah the um the evidence that came back the rug there was definitely um some form of decomposing body in the car and in just like the McCann's I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> careful we might get sued please don't sue um, us so she gets indicted in October for murder but how does blood from your child get into the boot of a higher car it doesn't make that any sense <laughs> uh, yeah so um, December the 11th 2008 a man called Cronk Stan Cronk no. <laughs> exactly uh, he he works for a utility company. Wait, actually, a name a man named Kronk. 
I think that might be his last name, uh, but yeah, his name's Kronk. So he works for... Hide the body, Kronk. <laughs> he works for a utility company and he um, stops off at the edge of this wooded area off the road because he needs a piss. And when he does, he sees um, something poking out and it, it's it's there's like a bag and it looks like a human skull. He sort of picks it up and is like, oh shit, um, yeah, human skull. And uh, yeah, so he, he rings the police and all that. So they get the forensic anthropologist in. It was 20 feet off of the road. There was two torn black bin bags, um, a large Winnie the Pooh baby blanket. And the reason that it was all torn open, these bags, is because it had obviously been ravaged by animals. So that's not funny. It's a little bit funny. Gross. Animals like that are so funny though, aren't they? Why? Why is that funny? Why do they care about stuff in bins and stuff? Because they're like, there might be num nums in there. <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, I'm going to get some food. <laughs> or get some without food. Oh no, it's just Scott, I leave it. Yeah. <laughs> so they, that's, they that's scour. That's how all animals sound, by the way. Oh, is it? Oh, there might be foods in that. Oh, there might be foods There in might that. be foods. I want the foods. That's how Evie sounds. Oh, no That's foods. her internal, her internal monologue. That's exactly what she sounds like. Um, so For yeah. those of you that don't know, Evie is our pet chihuahua. You know her, yeah. you hear her bark a lot. Yeah, and that's what she sounds like. She's sleepy now, it's fine. Her voice, is, her voice sounds like that. Look at a little tart with her tummy out. Right, back to the story. She, yeah, so they, they scour the area for the rest of the bones and they eventually like find a whole skeleton. It's a quarter of a mile from the Anthony's house. Um, and the DNA comes back that this skeleton is Kaylee. She has died. There's no way to tell how she died because it is so decomposed. There's no human tissue left. Um, they know that it's homicide based on where and how. Like, why would it? Why would she be dumped in a bin bag like that? Um, it, you know, it's it's suspicious circumstances. There's also, uh, they find a canvas laundry bag that was sold in pairs. One of them is found with Kaylee's skeleton in the wood and they find the other in the Anthony's home and Casey is charged with first degree murder. So it gets to May the 9th, 2011. So this is like, what, three years later. I don't know why it takes so long, but maybe they had a lot on stuff going on. So <laughs> luck going on. Luck going on. Because of the how badly this broke over the news it is impossible to find a jury full of people that don't know about this case it needs to be unbiased yeah so they bring in um the cavemen <laughs> they bring in people from clearwater florida <laughs> they literally move them they have to move for this trial and the i've heard some negative things about clearwater Oh, like what? I can't remember. It's just one of them places. They have very like dirty water. <laughs> yeah, it's a very misleading title. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they have. Um, they this is obviously a case where they can have the public come in and watch the trial. So because there's only a certain amount of seats, there are people literally queuing up outside the courthouse at three a.m. the night before the trial starts because people are going crazy for it. Um, literally getting into fist fights in the queue. What? Yeah, going that mad because they want to see the trial. Like it's fucking chaos. It's mad. 
People love a bit of that in America. They do. They love you a bit of get that over a little here. bit fisticuffs. Just journalists yeah. like, fighting for the best points to take a photo from. Yes, we're far too lazy. Um, unless it's like a Harry Potter DVD, we all queued up for those Why'd at you? like <laughs> twelve o'clock in the morning. No. Just I definitely did Just not do that. <laughs> I saw the first one and thought, "That's time I will never get back." <laughs> no, I was a kid. Okay, leave me alone. Eighties baby. Um, 80s baby born in 89 you fucking crazy <laughs> I was still a kid myself so uh, their motive for this murder they speak to a childhood family friend and they say she didn't even want this baby she was going to put the baby up for adoption and her mum told her no you're going to keep this baby um, she wanted to get this child free life back uh, that's the prosecu- the prosecution's def- uh, argument, anyway. The defence say that the morning of June the 16th, George, her dad, was at work, and Cindy and Casey were looking for Kaylee, and they can't find her. And when George comes in from work, um, what happened is he found Kaylee and she was in the back garden in the pool face down she'd accidentally drowned and um George this is what had actually happened or is this a story of events sorry I'm not going to tell you right go on then. okay so George yelled at his daughter look what you've done your mother will never forgive you and you will go to prison for child neglect so Casey begs him and says look you please help me and um, George wrapped up the body um, very similar to what they said they used to do with family pets they would wrap the body up in bin, like the cat or whatever in bin bags and bury it in the backyard so he did that and disposed of Kaylee's body in the wooded area um, the prosecution say that this is all fabrication she lies all the time Casey she didn't have this job at Universal Studios there was no nanny she had been literally leaving for work every day with her daughter fabricating she had a job for two years she said she had this job and she didn't she lies about everything so she must be lying about this um, so she's got to be guilty and the defence say the reason she's so good at lying is because she's been trained to lie. She has had her whole life where she's had to learn how to lie and hide her emotions because from the age of eight, her dad was, was molesting her. Oh, no. And this is why she's been able to lie like this because she's been conditioned to do that her entire life. And the lawyer says in court during the trial quote she could be 13 and one day have her father's penis in her mouth then go to school and act like nothing happened i don't know why he needed to say it in that graphic detail but he did maybe that's exactly why they did it though maybe um, graphic effect however this is the only time the defense then mentioned about the molestation good word yeah they don't bring it up again when george is put in the witness box um the whoever's questioning him says you know did you molest your daughter and he absolutely says no absolutely not i did not do that yeah emphatically did not do that 
he also denies doing anything with Kaylee's body. He didn't see this happen. He didn't wrap Kaylee's body up. He didn't dispose of her. This did not happen. And um, they say that the calls between the father and daughter, their relationship, um, it's it's all very uh, what's the word it's not like the defense is saying they have a good relationship um there's nothing weird going on between them two however the defense decide to not then question him about the molest molestation ac- molestation That's a word, yeah. accusations they absolutely go full on at the fact that george tried to commit suicide and I say, oh, well, what he says is crazy. Kind of. So in January 2009, not long after Kaylee's body was found, George disappeared. And he went to a hotel and he said, I couldn't function. I took 70 pills, drank as much beer as I could. Um, he wrote a letter saying how much he missed Kaylee. He just wanted to be with her and he believed that he'd failed her. He was broken. He just missed his granddaughter and that's why he tried to do it. Um, it luckily didn't work, obviously. The prosecution are saying, look, he tried to kill himself because he missed his granddaughter so much. And the defence is saying, no, no, he did this because he did it out of guilt. Yeah. He did it because he disposed of his granddaughter's body. He's guilty that he had a part to play in this. So... Um, the DNA, I love this, the mitochondrial DNA in the hair, you only get from your mother. So, um, they look at the hair they found in the boot of the car, and because of the length and how untreated the hair was, it wasn't, you know, dyed or anything, it had to be Kaylee's hair. And there is a brown band near the root of the hair, which you only get when your body is starting to decompose so this had to be it was Kaylee's hair she was dead in that boot of the car um the the rug in the boot of the car the 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 sample they took also there was um high high levels of chloroform and this naturally occurs in the body when you decompose however um, really yeah However, it was such a high amount, they're saying that actually somebody used chloroform on Kaylee to knock her out. Um, There was also a computer search. Uh, One thing to do with um, how to make chloroform. Someone searched chloroform. They looked at the bones under the microscope and there was no trauma. However, on the skull the lower jaw was still attached to the top of the skull by some grey duct tape. What? Oh, so they tied her up. There was three pieces of duct tape. One that the prosecution are saying went over her mouth, one that went over her nose, and one that went over both, so it was securely in place. The jury is shown a photo of Kaylee's face and they superimpose the um, photo of the cadaver with the tape where it is and those two photos are merged together not only to get an emotional response from the jury but to show where this tape would have been on her face and the the prosecution is saying 
she must have been knocked out of chloroform and then um, taped over her nose and mouth so she can't breathe and died. There is absolutely no reason why a child should have tape over their mouth and nose. The only reason for that has to be murder. There's no other way you need duct tape over your face no, like that. No. true. So, um, Tony, Casey's boyfriend, is on the stand and he says that on the 16th, when they're saying that Kaylee went missing, um, there's CCTV of Tony and Casey going to Blockbusters and they rent some films that, um, I can't remember the names of them, but not particularly fantastic films. They all some shit films. Um, and they look quite happy and they're the prosecution are trying to prove she wanted this child-free life. This is what she was after. Uh, she also, not long after, a few days, weeks, whatever, um, entered a hot body contest at a bar that I think Cliff or her boyfriend was a DJ at. And there's photos of her dirty dancing, uh, having a great time. Having the time of her life. This is supposedly when her child died, not long after. She is not grieving, um, getting on with her life. And like, even if by her version of events, mm -hmm. the child wasn't really dead, and it just kidnapped by the nose. You wouldn't be like, no. so that's cool. Uh, bar? <laughs> Hot body contest. Uh, happy hour? Yeah, no. She also, um, not long after, went to go and get a crappy tattoo that says Bella Vita on her, the back of her shoulder blade, which Why? is Italian for... Dead baby. <laughs> <laughs> for beautiful life. Beautiful life. Because, My kid's dead. Yeah. That's what it stands for. And the prosecution is saying it's almost like she's celebrating the fact that she's now got her life back. Um, let's have a look. So, the prosecution also say that in 2009, Casey shared a prison dorm with a woman called April Whalen. And uh, it's really sad. On Christmas Day 2007... Woo, Christmas episode! Um, <laughs> <laughs> the... Woo. Yeah, the, the body of April's 15-month-old son was found by April's father drowned in their home pool. Hmm, that's a funny coincidence, that little story they cooked up there. Um, and they're also saying it's a little bit weird because it's taken three years until the trial when this drowning defence has come out. That's a bit weird. Um, however, the defence say that Kronk moved the body... <laughs> oh, the leather Kronk! <laughs> He moved the body from wherever to this woodland area to gain fame and profit. I'm gonna have to stop you there. What? Do the Ethmer impression. Pull the lever, crunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Right, the poison. <laughs> <laughs> the poison for Cusco. Cusco's poison. That poison. Yeah, he moved this body for fame and profit. Um, Kronk joked to his co-workers that he had hit the jackpot finding this body, and. His son also said that his dad had said to him he's going to be famous for finding this body. Oh. Um, he also picks up the skull, so that means the crime scene's contaminated because Kronk was messing around with it, so he clearly moved it and put it there. So it's nothing to do with... Um, yeah. Uh, Cindy also happened to say that she was the one that searched for chloroform. It was a curious accident. <laughs> How strange. Yeah. Um, so... The trial lasted for six weeks, between May and July 2011, and the prosecution were seeking the death penalty. 
Um, thoughts? Any gut feelings, thoughts about this case? It's clear as day that she's responsible for this. Right, well, I'm going to tell you, on July the 5th, the verdict was not guilty of murder. Um, she, however, was charged and found guilty of the misdemeanour of providing false information to law enforcement officers. Um, however, because, you know, they gave her credit for time she'd already served and good behaviour, she was released on July the 17th. Um... So she's out now? Um, yes, she's been out since. And she now lives with the lead personal investigator from her defence team, who also happened to work on the defence team for OJ Simpson. So he's good at least. Yeah, he's good at his job. And there is, and you must have heard this, there is a horrific interview she did a couple of years ago where they ask her, like, you know, what do you think... She would have been 12 by now, like, a few years ago. Um, what do you think she'd be doing? And... Uh, riding? <laughs> yeah. Casey's like, I think... Some of the lines are like, oh, I think she'd be a total badass. She'd be listening to, like, rock and roll and not putting up with shit from no one. I mean, she'd be 12. She'd probably be playing with LOL dolls. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I got into, like, punk and stuff like that at 12. Mm. That's kind of a little bit of a... Yeah. A no, a no point, isn't it? The absolute kicker that infuriates me with this is when people ask her, what do you think of those that think that you're guilty? She's like, I don't care what they think. I'm okay with myself. I sleep pretty good at night. Yeah, and like, if she was innocent, which she's clearly not, but if she was innocent, that is exactly what you would say in that situation. I don't think I'd say I would sleep sound at night. I'd say the whole world thinks I'm guilty and I still don't know how my child died. Mm, yeah, right, fair yeah. enough. But as in, like, a, I don't care what people think about me because I know that I didn't do it. I know that yeah. I'm good in myself. Not, Those sentiments well I can agree. Yeah, but yeah. that's what I sleep well at night can mean. Not like a, I'm not bothered that my kid's dead, mm. but like a, I know that I didn't do it. My conscience rests easy. Like, if that's what she means. I think what she means actually by that is she's a narcissistic piece of shit and should not be called worst mother of the year because she was no mother. Worst human. And, I mean, this is why My Favourite Murder haven't so far covered this because they briefly touched on it in one episode fucking years ago when I listened to it. And um, they said, no, nah, we don't even want to talk about it. She's disgusting. They won't even cover it. And this case infuriates me. And I think it is literally just the case if they said... You know, the, de the defence tried to say, oh, it's all, like, um, made-up forensics, it's all circumstantial. Okay, sorry, what absolute what circumstance do you need to put duct tape? Even if your daughter had drowned, why would you need to put duct tape over their nose and mouth? Did you say there was DNA found on the duct tape at all? Well, the, DN the duct tape was stuck on the skull. No, as in, like, anybody else's DNA not linked to it? No, they didn't find any fingerprints or anything on it. The only thing they did find, I mean, there's quite a lot on this I haven't gone into with this case because we're limited on time, but there was a mark um, from where it was like a sticky residue from where a sticker had been on it, and it was a heart-shaped sticker. If you look up um, Casey Anthony trial photos, you can find them online, and they did actually find a sheet of stickers... Um, heart-shaped stickers that were in her house so whether she sucked one of those on it we don't know but that was the only thing they found on it i mean it had been months it had been out there that body so all the most of the i mean whether it was just from being out there so long with animals there wasn't even any human tissue left it's so difficult to tell when it's just a skeleton 
But obviously, well, we know with plastic and stuff, the tape isn't going to disintegrate. That's going to stay there. What fucking reason would you need to have duct tape on a child's body like that? She's a piece of shit. Mm. Absolute piece of shit. And it's one of those things that really infuriates me because still years later, I mean, this is 2011 that she got out. She's still out. And as far as I know, her parents, especially her dad, don't talk to her. Because let's not forget, not only did she drag her poor parents into this, she then accused her dad of, of molesting her it, to yeah. try and get out of this. Like the dad's <laughs> gone through enough. She's just a compulsive liar, isn't she? Literally a compulsive liar. She just lies about everything. And she, oh, it makes like, me so Even angry. if she was innocent, that is a fact. Yeah. You know, the compulsive liar part. Yeah. Literally, it's just, it, uh, it's, ooh, it makes me mad, but I've been so excited to tell you this case because it's one of those where people might have recognised her face and there was quite a few Facebook posts about her a few years ago and it's like, ah, this bitch. Yeah, I think I have seen that face before. It's sort of like a, oh, she's white and hot, so we'll kind of let her off because she's white and hot. Hot's stretched. Uh, she's kind of hot, but not back then she weren't. It was her hair, she had short hair back then. And uh, I'm particular of a female with long hair. You know what she looks like in that picture where she's smiling in the courtroom? You know that uh, over-possessive girlfriend? Yes. Li- yeah. Let's turn Casey Anthony into a meme. Let's use her for all our shit jokes. Yes, I feel bad for that person who's that, like the yeah. over-possessive girlfriend because she must have a real relationship problems. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, you. Yeah, no. Uh, hey, don't I recognise you from somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to leave. So, um, we're gonna we're gonna go with a are we gonna go with a guilty verdict on that? Hundred percent. Hundred percent guilty. There we go. Bang the gavel. Bang the gavel, crunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have a happy thought for this week? Because it's a fucking irritating story, and there's no nothing happy. That poor kid. You got a happy thought? Um. I thought I lost keys earlier to a house that I was going to view and I didn't. That's good. That is good. Because then I don't need to be sacked and I get to keep my job. And you quite enjoy your job at the minute. I do enjoy my job. And that's a happy thought in itself because not a lot of people do enjoy their job all the time. No. No. It's a nice, it's, it's an interesting challenge to try and get up to a certain point and, and you know, it's... Um, I guess it's taking you out of your comfort zone a little bit and just giving yeah. you something to get your teeth into. Exactly. Hmm. What about you? My happy thought is I've won Christmas. You have not won Christmas. Me and I've Ben Christmas. make Christmas a competition every year. Not because we're just materialistic knobheads. Because we always try and outdo each other on Christmas. And it's quite funny because I just want Ben to have all the good stuffs. Basically, the backdrop to that is we decided quite a long time ago because everybody is really lovely to our children at Christmas. And everybody spoils our children, and we still spoil our children. Absolutely, spoil them. We spoil each other because it makes Christmas special for us. Because too many people who don't have children, or even people that do, say, "Ah, oh, Christmas is pointless, really. It's just all about the kids." And it's not. Christmas is wicked, and you know, if you can be in a situation where, you know, you can find some magic from it, then absolutely, that's a fucking wicked thing. I enjoy buying for you. It, I, I do. I love seeing you um, open stuff, and I do think a lot of it maybe is because we've literally started from the bud, and now we're here. Yeah, like 
One Christmas, I maybe at a push spent thirty pound on you. Really? <laughs> yeah, like that first Christmas in Earthenborough. Oh yeah. I literally had saved up for weeks to buy down a coffee machine that cost me fifty pounds, and like that was it. Yeah, and, and like that so meant so much it. to me at the time. Like yeah. it was just ridiculous. And now I'm like, damn! I've just... spent two hundred quid on Ben this year. What else can I get him? I want to win. And it's, I think it's a good thing. It's not like a. And a malicious thing. It's no, like, we a, just want to... Yeah, and that's just a profit. Like, that's just a benefit of all the hard work that we've put in as a, as a family and as yeah. a couple and and the, the, the commitment we've made to making the right decisions. And that's yeah. a great thing. And it's nice that, you know, there's something for us to look forward to because we might go the whole year without really treating ourselves and then it's nice to treat each other at the end of the year. Yeah, that's why it's difficult to know what I want, really, because I gave up on a lot of things that used to matter. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like gig tickets used to mean everything. Oh, no. um, trainers used to mean everything. Like new skateboard stuff used to mean everything. I don't even skate anymore. Like no. you know, because it's just time and things like that. you. You sacrifice a lot as a parent. So you do, but I mean it's worth it. I'm looking at the massive mountain of presents underneath, and I am so excited for everyone to open everything. So that's my happy thought. I'm just fucking buzzing. I can't wait. Um, I've already planned out our Christmas episodes. We're going to start them next week. So, yeah. But, yeah, we're going on a guilty verdict. 100%. I don't have a gavel. Maybe I'll get a gavel. We'll do some unsolved ones. and We should do that, like, every, should. every week. Every now and then have an unsolved one and be like, what do we think? Bang! Sentence. Guilty. I wonder if that's liable. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, McCann's, McCann's Ben, what are we saying? Guilty? Innocent? I'd rather not say. I don't want to be sued. Please don't sue us. Guilty! Lovely, gracious, <laughs> awesome parents that you are. That also work at a hospital not far from yeah, us. Yeah, really, like, really close. Yes. Yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed the story. Answer the police questions. Uh, fucking answer them, Kate. You're, you're stupid. Don't know, comment the questions. Yeah. That's a bad idea, it's Kate. A bad idea, Kate. You're fucking slang. Fucking Kate. Um, let us know. What do you think? Guilty, not guilty. Just stick it on the group. Guilty or not guilty? We'll know. Um, and we hope you enjoyed it. And go look up that stupid smug bitch's face. Go listen to all her interviews and stuff. She's a dick. We'll put it on the group. We will. We'll put the we will face share on the some group. stuff. We'll yeah. put some stuff on there, and you can watch it. Um, it's a good little documentary. Speaking on Speaking of sharing some stuff, share us so we get rich and famous. And that then... is Ben's. Uh, <laughs> Ben's make us famous sidebar. One day. Uh, One day. Uh, we've had our book corner. We've had our guilty verdicts. There's just everything going on in this podcast. Why There's wouldn't you want to share it with people you care about? Do you not care about people? We have a book club. We have everything going on. We've got, we've got gabbles. You know. I'm going to get a ga- I'll ask Craig for us. Right. Um, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.